0: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Home Builders. We're going to go ahead and get started. So, hope you're doing well. we'll go ahead and read our verse together. It is Genesis one twenty-seven. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God He created them, male and female. He created them. You will. Yeah, we're having uh, Sloppy Joe's and Tater Tots, so if you like Tater Tots, join us. <laughs> How many of you like Tater Tots? I love Tater Tots. <laughs> Man, it's like, yummo. <laughs> oh. I want, as a reminder to you, because don't it just kind of, it just becomes white noise, it just becomes. Uh, information on the slide. The book of Romans is about knowing and living the gospel message. In other words, when we know the gospel, okay, and we apply that and live out the gospel in our life, what really, what change happens? What's that impact? In other words, it's not just about praying a prayer and going to heaven one day, it's about actually putting that into practice and understanding the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. The gift of God, which is eternal life. Well, you may need to turn me down just a little bit more. Because I'm still hearing a little bit of feedback. And I just may be just too loud, but that's normal. <laughs> our, our theme verse for today is the last verse of this chapter. Romans 6.23, a very familiar passage to all of us. But I want you to focus on one word, and that's the word wages. Wages. Okay? It's the payment. If you've ever had a job, you understand that word, wage. some of you want higher wages. No one wants lower wages. Unless, of course, you're in that category where you need a lower wage to not affect your social security benefits. <laughs> 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 the resurrection of Christ. Jesus dying on a cross wasn't just a good thing. It was a necessity. Could could he have just been a good man, a a, a good prophet and die a natural death and be our salvation? The answer is no. No. Could he have just been no. hanged be and died in that way? Yes or no? no. Why? It would have built so <laughs> prophecy. Blood has been spilled. Hebrews 11. Communicate very clearly that Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. First Corinthians chapter 15, probably the greatest discourse from Paul, the Apostle Paul, on the Resurrection. I, Cheryl and I were taking our grandchildren, the two oldest of these two, dinner. And they, they, they wanted McDonald's, but there was no McDonald's open inside. And so they, they were bummed. But then they go, Waffle House, Waffle House. So we went to Waffle House. And, uh, and we went to the one on Timberlake Road, and as I was, we were going in, Gary Habermas was walking out. And he was like, man, this is the best meal I've ever had. This is amazing. He said, I went to a breakfast place with, with a buddy of mine earlier in the week, and it, it ended up being something like uh, 50 bucks. I don't know where he went for breakfast. 50 bucks. He said, this one cost us 18. You know, and so regardless of whether you like or not, that's not the point. I, I, I'm talking to Gary Habermas, and he's, he said, I have been working, I think, nearly eight years on a book, his treatise on the resurrection of Christ. And he said, The publisher is in the process of publishing it right now in four volumes, and it's currently at 56 pages, five thousand six hundred pages. One of the books is literally sixteen hundred pages alone. Yeah. I said, "You and Carl Barth have something in common." He goes, "Oh yeah, I'm not up to that yet. I mean, pretty close, but." Uh... So, in other words, aren't you grateful? That the Apostle Paul did it in one chapter. (laughs) And if Christ has not been raised. The resurrection. He died on a cross. Was buried. Could he have been in the grave. And been our savior. No. No. But I want to make sure that you understand. This is the picture of what is going on here. Jesus Christ was the second Adam. And he became the one who died on the cross, shed his blood, was buried, and rose again. That resurrection, and when we, when you in here, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, say Amen. amen. There's a clear understanding that has to take place. Is that when Jesus died, was buried, rose again, then when you accept Christ, figuratively speaking, positionally, you were are with Christ, and you are raised with him. And this idea is, is that if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, is worthless. Is meaningless you are still in your sins because without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sin without his resurrection he there's no evidence that he was worthy to be the one who paid for our sins if only for this life we have opened Christ we are people most to be pitied and why did he say that obviously living the Christian life even the choice is that if you live the Christian life according to Scripture, if there is no resurrection from the dead, if Jesus, if there is no God, if, there, if Jesus isn't the Savior of the world, I am 100% convinced it's a better life to live than anything else. Okay? However, we're to be pitied because we are living our entire life, everything about us, is designed by God to be in Christ everything our hope our peace is wrapped up in the truth of the Word of God and we're hoping in something that, that is meaningless and is it isn't real and Paul's trying to make that very clear if this if this isn't true what are you what are we doing Why are we here? If this is a social club, it's going to die. But it's not. This is reality. So the resurrection of Christ was essential for salvation and our resurrection from the dead. By it, by His resurrection, Jesus defeated death. Okay? Death is the enemy of humanity and the result of our sin. And Jesus defeated it. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Someone read for me, 1 Corinthians 15, 55 and 57. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Death is not victorious. Because of God, He gives us the victory. Amen? Amen? We are victorious in Christ. The resurrection is real. By it, believers are united with Christ. See, that's the point. We are in Christ, 2 Corinthians 4, 14, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. 1 Corinthians 1, 30, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. Who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. See, because of Christ, we are in Him. We're in Christ. And He he has become for us through the wisdom of God. That is our righteousness. Your righteousness is in Christ. Your holiness is in Christ. And your redemption is in Christ. You're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. You have been born again. And so positionally, we're already seated with Christ in heaven. Even though we're still here, positionally, we're there. So there is, we have eternal life. Now you'll hear, and I know what they're saying. Well, I'm getting my head in myself, so I'll go ahead and be patient like Pastor Jonathan says. (laughs) By it, he proved he was the Son of God. Someone read for me, Romans 1.4. Who, through the Spirit of holiness, was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So in other words, because he rose from the dead, okay, through the Spirit of holiness, we understand he was the Son of God. There is no way, okay, I'm just going to be honest with you, as a person, as a human being who studies religion, who studies life and truth and ideas, you know, understanding what's out there, if Jesus had not raised from the dead, I would not be a Christian. That doesn't mean that I would live an immoral lifestyle of all some other ideas. If you live by the golden rule, you could be a very potentially good person. You can follow by the Ten Commandments and, and, and other things from other world religions and be a pretty good person. But why would you be a Christian if Jesus had not raised from the dead? Yeah, Tish. Because that's my, this whole thing about purpose is how I got saved. I was 16 and I'm like, what's the point of life? The, I mean, I feel like we were wasting. Get up and work. Realize that this God is the one, the real, true God. That He's the one who told everything. And when I take my Savior, then I realize that's my purpose. Yeah. Your purpose, this gives us purpose. Exactly. We get, It gives us a reason to live. By it, the Holy Spirit is given to all who believe. You were given the Holy Spirit of God when you became a follower of Christ. Acts 2, 29 to 33. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body, Jesus' body, see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Now, imagine this, okay? And I've used this illustration before, but I think this is really important. Paul is writing a letter, okay? He's writing this letter, I'm sorry, this is Luke. Luke is actually writing this letter, and he's writing this out to the churches. And he says, we are all witnesses of it. Now think about this, okay? Again, for imagery's sake. <laughs> Let's say this was the last day you saw me alive. And you like, next Sunday, you're like, where's Luke? You go, to, is Cheryl sitting there? I, I don't know, he's gone. Twenty years from now, we're in a restaurant, and you look over and you see Cheryl and I sitting there, but you haven't seen me in 20 years. And you come up to me and you go, what happened? What? Don't you remember? On what's today's date? Sixth, March. Sixth. Right. On March fifth. Sixth. 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 Uh, no, I know, right? No, this is this is the sixth, right? <laughs> yes. On March fifth, <laughs> that storm came through, and I was picked up and taken away. I mean, literally, this city of Lynchburg was destroyed, and I, I got hit in the head. And I just wandered and wandered and wandered, and I just came back 20 years later. I finally came back to. I got my memory back. I remembered what happened, and I'm back here. Now, ask yourself this question: we, If you're talking to me 20 years from now, first you're thanking God you're still alive. Amen. Okay. Amen. And you're able to eat at a restaurant, which is a blessing. But you hear me say. On March the 5th, 2022, there was a storm that wiped out Lynchburg. Did it? What would you immediately say about Lou Weider when you left that conversation? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 that, that whatever hit him in the head is still affecting him. <laughs> i to take that baseball bat away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Rightly so. <laughs> My point is this Luke is writing this letter to the church, and he says Jesus rose from the dead. Think about this now. If they knew he didn't, they would invalidate this letter immediately at that point. No, he didn't. This isn't true at all. This is a lie. How could you say that Jesus wrote for them when we all know he did? And people today are like, well, you know, the different theories that have come up from it. But they were were witnesses of it. And now he's exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. The Holy Spirit came upon believers. And that continues to this day. And you... If you are born again, the Holy Spirit of God lives within you. Now, at the end of this message, when we get into this concept, a lot of times people don't like the analogy of slavery, and I get that, okay? But what does scripture tell us? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and you're not your own? you have been bought at price. We've been bought. The Holy Spirit of God was given to us. And Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and through that Holy Spirit, we've been bought and we are now in Christ. By it, we have a living hope. 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Someone read that for me. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Aren't you grateful for that this morning? (laughs) Amen. We have, we have a brand new birth. And a new living hope. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Okay? By it, we will never die. John 11, 25 and 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now, in other words, here's what he's saying, and this is where some people, uh, I get it, okay? It's appointed unto them once to die. And after this, the judgment. But the point is this. When you are in Christ, when you have been born again, when you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, you go from life to life. You've already been given eternal life. Death is a momentary thing that, that lasts, but, but for a, a nanosecond. Yeah. Mark, did you, or are you just praising the Lord? You just lift your hand and praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to be out of here. We go from life to life. And so some people, we never die. And then it really gets confusing to people. What is this? What he's saying that we never die? Yes, you're going to die. I'm going to take my last breath. Unless the rapture happens, and that's where I theologically stand. I believe in the rapture of the church. We're out of here. And hallelujah, if it's today, I'm, I'm ready. Are you ready? Yes. And if you're not, talk to me afterwards. Let's get you ready. Because Jesus can come back today. Death brings life. Romans 6, 8 through 10. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. See, Jesus died too. But he got victory over it. He rose from the dead. The death he died, he died to sin sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And that's the imagery that we're to have. In this sense... Remember 1 Peter 3.18. for Christ also once suffered for sin. The just, for wired, the unjust. Why? So that he could bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, he's the bridge between us and God the Father. I don't need to get right with the Holy Spirit. I don't need to get right with Jesus Christ. I need to get right with God the Father. And Jesus makes us a way for us to get right with the Father. He's that bridge. And then the Holy Spirit comes to live within us so that he's our, he, he is our down payment. He's been, it, it's our guarantee. The Holy Spirit comes within us. And then through the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like, yes, I know the Holy Spirit's within me. Uh, I, 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 I think differently. I'm, I'm understanding the word differently. Uh, I'm, I am able to live out these fruits of the spirit, which I couldn't do before because everything was self-motivated. Etc. Even being a good person was self-motivated before. You know? You want to be good so you're liked. There's a difference between being good to be liked and being good because you want to glorify God. Because sometimes when you're good, you're not liked. And if you're doing something only for human recognition, you will obviously many times be dissatisfied. That's why we don't serve man, but we do everything as, we, as unto the Lord and not unto man. We need to get a little closer. Okay, positionally, we died with Christ. And because of that, truth, since we died with Christ, we will also live with Him. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.11, here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with Him, we will also live with Him. See, we died with Christ. What he does is, he basically says, because I died, and when you receive me, you receive everything about me. When I died, you died. When I raised, you were raised. That's a, that's a biblical idea of positional salvation. Mm-hmm. Okay? This is the truth, you can trust it. If I rose from the dead, so will you. Because you already have. Death wasn't Christ's master, and it isn't ours. Now, that's a clear statement that we need to understand, because he's using this term master again. First Corinthians 15, 15-54. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable, this flesh, inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will we'll all be changed in a flash. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. See this flesh that we have this that I'm so frustrated with yesterday. <laughs> I went outside and was doing some things. It was a beautiful day, wasn't it? Great day to do work outside, picking up sticks and kind of cleaning up the yard a little bit and uh, did a couple of the little tasks, things, getting the lawnmowers ready, rechanging the oil, and checking the filters and all that kind of stuff, starting everything up, everything's works and so ready to go for show the <laughs> Sort of, I was kidding. Um, <laughs> and Cheryl had been asking for a long time and she, we were going to cut two trees out next to the, the, the woods next to us and, uh, so I think okay this is a short one I can do this one I'll get Will to help me Will, she, Will Kirk can help me with the other one a bit later but, uh, um, so I cut that one down and and Cheryl was just coming home from walking it's like cut this tree down. And she's looking at me like, what are you thinking? And so I'm, I'm cutting this tree up and you know, getting it all turned off and, and then she starts, and then she goes, oh, on the embankment, there's these trees, a couple of things over here I'd love for you to cut down. I've been wanting you to do that for years. And in Jesus' name, I did it. <laughs> Amen. And I'm done. And I'm literally... Walking like I'm in traction. <laughs> my body is sore, and I'm literally walking up the steps, you know, like this. And I-, I can't even describe the pain. But my point is, when you do something that you're not used to, you gotta go, "Oh man, this, this is this is difficult." This body. <laughs> My oldest daughter just called me old. She laughed at me yesterday. She goes, oh by the way, you're turning 60 this year, right? <laughs> she just starts, yeah, like she just did laughing at me. Do I agree that this perishable must put on imperishable? This, this is not an eternal body, let me tell you. Anybody else understand what I'm talking about? Come on. Get a witness here. See, the great paradox is that death brings life. And Jesus tried to explain this to the disciples when he was alive. He says, John 12, Jesus said, the hours come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He's trying to talk about his death. And he says, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also must be. Again, that word "servant" is the word doulos. could also be translated "slave." My Father will honor the one who serves me. Here's the point. We understand it. We know it. Something must die for life to begin. I remember as a kid helping out with my parents and we would take at our, at our garden we'd take kernels of corn and plant them into the ground. We didn't grow wheat. It was just a garden. But I remember that kernel of corn that has died was placed into the ground and a shoot would start up and by the end of summer I would see at times two or three ears of corn with hundreds of kernels in every one of them. A single seed brings life. But it must die first. And in reality, unless you die, you will not have life. Not only at the end of our life at each and every day. That's why my prayer each morning is, Lord, help me to die to myself today that I may truly live. Because when I die to me, everything else begins to have meaning. Everything else becomes so much clearer. Have you, have you ever tried to live for self you will never be satisfied. Mm. The hedonistic paradox is real. It will never satisfy. But when we die, we can truly live. How does a believer experience this truth? The Apostle Paul uses key verbs to provide this insight. Romans 6, 11 to 14, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. In the translation that you use, there are different words. The word count has also been translated consider, that it would be a good one. The word consider ourselves, think about it. Would you consider yourself to be dead to sin and alive to Christ? You have to think that way. I am dead to sin and alive in Christ. 1 Peter 2.24, someone read that for me. See, that's the idea. You have really been, you've been completely healed because of what he did. And when we die, we can live to righteousness. When we die to our sin, we can truly live for righteousness. Rain, don't let sin control your life. 1 Corinthians 6.12, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And the great struggle many times in the Christian life is what happens when we are mastered by something, even as a follower of Christ. See, we don't have to be mastered by anything, but it, there are times in the Christian life, and even in my own, when desire uh, controls us, it seems like. A gentleman came forward this morning in the 8:15 service and he said, "I'm an alcoholic." Today, I want to accept Christ. I want to get my life right with Him. I want to end this addiction in my life. Man, that, that, that takes courage, and that takes support, and that takes help. That's where we come together as the body, confess our faults one to another. But at times, we're, we're, we're controlled by sin, even as a follower of Christ. It's not that we're not born again. It's the issue that we're allowing the sin nature to be in control. And none of us wants that, but at times we do. Just, but obviously, he we, says, we, we can do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. What are you being mastered by? What am I being mastered by? Michelle and I talk about this, and we can talk through some issues, and, with, you know, it's like, how do, how do we not allow anything to control us? Ideas, thoughts, attitudes, choices. How do we live our lives in such a way that's holy all the time? Not to beat us down, not to discourage us, but so that we can ultimately live in righteousness and everyday decisions. Obey. Don't obey sinful desires, but obey God's word. We have God's scripture. You know the passage. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training the righteousness. So we use the word of God. We apply it to our lives. And then Philippians 2.12, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with you're in we, we live for Christ every single day by obeying it, by obeying his word and not our flesh. But it's easy. Anybody else struggle with obeying the flesh at times? Anybody can relate to what I'm talking about? But he says, no, don't, do, don't obey the flesh. Obey the spirit. Offer. <clears throat> don't give our bodies for Satan to use. But for God to use. First Corinthians 6.20 You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. In 2 Corinthians 11, 14, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. See, it, it's not that we're trying to live satanic lives, but we get this idea that, you know what, hey, th- there's a better way. <laughs> and he, just like back in the garden, he deceives. He, he lies to us. He begins to think, hey, you would, be, you, know, you, you would be better off with blank. You'd be better off doing this. You'd be better off doing that. And when we choose to obey it, are we satisfied? Is it fulfilling? Is sin fulfilling? No. It always leaves us empty. So the idea that is, okay, Lou, live every day. Die yourself. Live for Christ and experience the amazing fulfillment of being a child of God. Finally, Paul illustrates the choices we make regarding sin and holiness with slavery. He's using a human illustration for a particular purpose, because they can understand it. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? By no means. He goes back to what he said in verse 1. Shall we continue in sin that grace may increase? Abound, God forbid. How shall we that died to sin live longer in it? Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? So in other words, if, I, if I'm choosing to sin, if I'm willfully sinning, I am saying, I, Satan, ye, I'm obeying you. I'm obeying you. When I choose to follow righteousness in God's word, I'm saying, Lord, I'm obeying you. And God says, well, what are you going to choose today? What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose righteousness or are you going to choose sin? The fruits of the spirit or fruits of the flesh? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness oh, I can't, I can't. there i'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness so now choose offering yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness in other words when you want to say that cruel or wrongful comment to somebody, you can choose to to say something evil and bad or you can choose righteousness. You can hold the tongue. When you see something that you can do, do you choose to do it or not do it? When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefits did you reap at that time from the things you were now ashamed of? Was it beneficial to you? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul describes this as an example from everyday life. 10 to 20% of the population of Rome, 5 to 10 million, were slaves in Rome in the first century. Kind of getting an understanding of what was taking place. People were bought and sold. How are people slaves of sin? Now, I want you to think through this out. How are people slaves of sin? They get hooked on something. They get hooked on it? Habits are formed. The what? Habits are formed. Habits? Sinful habits are formed? Addictions. Addictions? Temptations that are just yielded to. You just give in. There's no longer a battle or a fight. Until you come to Christ, you can't help yourself. Until, until you have the power of God within you, the Holy Spirit, you can't help yourself. Lasting consequences of bad decisions. Lasting consequences of bad decisions. Mm-hmm. I ask this question, why do we obey our lust? And I'm not just talking about sexual sin here. Lust, lust is, a, is, a, is an intoxicating desire for anything fleshly. We can obey our lust when we are uh, doing anything that is displeasing to the Lord. A desire to sin in any form, okay? So don't think of lust as just related to sexuality. It's not. It's anything. We could lust after money. We could lust after power. We could lust after um, authority. We could lust after control. We would want our own control. I want to be in the driver's seat. Holy Spirit, get in the back seat. I'm taking control of this situation. I'm trusting in myself. I'm going to get us through this problem. I don't need you, God, right now. I will work through this, right? (coughs) Why would a person become a slave to God? What barriers would a person have with becoming a Christian by this illustration? And there are people who just like, okay, when Jesus said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, many of the disciples walked away. The same thing can be true about his illustration of slavery. Yeah, I no, 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 okay. What barriers would a person have with becoming a Christian by this illustration? Think of, through that. Is American slavery what the Bible teaches, uh, what the Bible is speaking of here? No. Though there are similarities to it in the sense that it wasn't, we're not talking about uh, the illustrations from the Christian life in which uh, you um, are taken from where you are to where you will now be a slave. It's more of the idea of a bond servant. You're choosing. I choose to be under your authority. I choose to be, uh, you choo- I choose you to be my master, my lord. It's, they didn't choose that in American slavery or British slavery and others around the world. What's the difference? See, Romans 6, 16, 8, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone who's obedient slave, see, that's the point. They are, we are offering it ourselves. I'm choosing to be God's slave. That's the difference. I choose to give up my rights. I choose to give up my will. It's his will. Yours be done. Okay? We've read that, so I won't belabor it. What are the benefits of of obeying sin or obeying righteousness? The wages of sin is death. Obeying sin leads to death. Obeying righteousness leads to holiness and eternal life. Does that mean salvation is based upon works? No. Romans 3:23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and it's not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. But when we when we obey God, when we are, when He becomes our Lord and Savior, We have eternal life. The question then of today is. Who are you serving? Who do you want to serve? Who's Lord? Who's in control? We live through this choice. Every single day. Am I going to choose. To die to myself. And live for him. Or am I going to be obedient to Satan as my Lord and given to sin and flesh? May we choose to obey the Lord. That's the gift that he's been given to us. that we can experience true, eternal life now and in the future. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, Well, these things are, are challenging and difficult. But God, your Holy Spirit can be our teacher. In fact, your word says that you need no man to teach you. But when we get together like this, we, we can offer ideas and truth from your word to think through and to bring it to life. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will do that today when we leave this place, we're going to be tempted to sin. Satan's a liar, and he, it, it, he's even going to put it in this as an angel of light to make sin sound great, but it's a lie. God, may we die to ourselves daily and follow you so that we truly can experience the best of life abundant. Even in the midst of trials. In Jesus' name, amen. I love y'all. Have a great week. Yay, you